0: Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Nejla Yatkin grew up in Berlin in the 1980s. That meant living in a divided city. As a child, she remembers thinking that East Berlin, on the other side of that wall, seemed drained of all color. And then, on November 9, 1989, East Berliners rushed the wall. The guards who'd previously shot people trying to escape stood down. The wall fell, and both Berlin and the world rejoiced. Yatkin was 17 years old. Her memories of that wall and the Cold War that divided East and West informed a dance production she called Wall Stories. With a soundtrack featuring both Bach and Pink Floyd, it premiered in 2009. That was just in time to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the wall's fall. And believe it or not, we're now at the 30th anniversary. The show is being performed this week by St. Louis's modern American dance company, better known as Madco. Joining me in studio to talk about it is Emily Morton. She's the managing director of MADCO. Emily, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having us here. And we're also joined by Nicole Whitesell. She's MADCO's artistic director. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you. And finally, we're joined by Larry Marsh. He's the director of the German Culture Center and the University of Missouri St. Louis. Larry, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. What sticks in your memory when you think of the fall of the Berlin Wall 30 years ago? What should we take away from that history? Give us a call at 314 382 8255. That's 382 TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on Air or email us at talk at STLPublicRadio.org. So, Emily Morton, you danced in this show the last time MADCO performed it, and you recently said it was your very favorite that MADCO has ever done. That seems like really high praise coming from the managing director of the company. Uh, What is it that you like about this show so much? So, actually, I
1: have never danced in it before, but Nicole Whitesell has as the artistic director. And the first time that I saw this show, it was my first year with the company. Uh, That time I was an intern. I was not in this position at all and I was not alive when the Berlin Wall fell. Uh, my entire memory or understanding of what the Berlin Wall was and what it meant to people came from a textbook, you know, or it came from a movie or it came from music like Pink Floyd's The Wall. Uh, and it just really stuck in my brain. All the, the emotions that the Magco dancers were bringing to the stage and retelling these stories that come through in the sound score of people who lived with the wall, during the wall, right after it fell. And, and the stories come from both sides. It comes from this place of feeling conflict and only ever knowing life with the wall there. And then when it fell, the fear of what does that mean and how are things going to change? Uh, the feeling of not being able to be with family. And I think these emotions are things that everyone can relate to on some level, and it made wall stories for me really tangible and one of the most enjoyable things that I have ever seen. And it was my introduction to the company. Uh, so that it, has
0: a really special resonance for you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. But I think Nicole can really talk to her feeling as a performer and a dancer.
2: Yeah, I think that for me as a dancer, this was one of the first experiences that I had of trying to convey someone else's story. And Obviously through dance, I've always, you're always portraying some sort of emotion or something to the audience, but this was felt really important and really special to try to take in someone else's words, their actual experiences and their story and make sure that I was giving the correct feeling and emotions and impact that that really had on them and conveying that to the audience and just trying to listen to Nejla when she was teaching us and uh, setting the piece on us and listening to how she talked and how our inflection changed and what she was talking about and just trying to hang on to every word she was saying. And I remember I didn't portray her story when I was dancing and I danced somebody else's story. But I remember just taking that that interview home and just listening to it and trying to really embody what they were saying and how they were saying it because I thought it was really important to give that, I don't know.
1: I think, and something, we just came here straight from rehearsal. Mm -hmm. And something that our rehearsal director said and Nicole reiterated when we were there today is that when Nejla came to visit the first time, she really said, you know, dance is not a universal language, but emotions are. And I feel like as dancers, a lot of times we think that dance is a universal language. But not everybody feels like they understand it or feel as though they belong in dance, sometimes it can be very abstract. Um, but because of that abstraction, I think there's a lot of play in it and there's a lot of possibilities. And this work and what Nezla really touches in is those those human connections and those human feelings that everyone has experienced in some way. And that's what makes it really special.
0: And Nicole, you've described sort of portraying an individual person. Was this based on someone that that she knew back when she was living in Berlin?
2: So uh, throughout the piece, there are a series of interviews from different people. And so some people that are being interviewed have lived before the wall went up and then have lived now with the wall. Uh, One of the stories, the girl had never lived without the wall ever since she was born. It was there. And then it came down and her listening to the memories of her grandparents telling her that, you know, this wall hasn't always been here and knowing that she didn't get to meet some of her family members until she was six years old or something because Because they were on the other side side of the wall and so um different people's stories are in there and so i was portraying the girl who had never experienced life Hmm. without the wall and so again it was like you know is it is there a fear is this really protecting me but then at the same time like i'm glad it's not there that we have this freedom but just trying to figure out what life is going to be like. Sort without. of a
0: surprisingly mixed yeah. feeling for that particular Ab- person.
2: Absolutely. That's
0: so interesting. Now, Larry Marsh, you visited uh, Germany many times over the years. But I know you were in East Berlin in particular in the 1980s. What was it like on the other side of the wall, the part that was closed off?
3: Well, I fear it was even earlier than the 80s. I actually was in uh Berlin, the first time in 1963, just a few months after Kennedy had uh, made his Ich bin ein Berliner speech. And uh, so I saw it very early on as a student uh, in Germany.
0: And so what was it like?
3: Well, I mean, we think today of of Walls keeping people out. Uh, This was keeping people in. And um, it was... uh, One of the things that I'm most interested in is that our students today, and we will have about 800 students attending performances um, before the evening performances, is that they gain a greater understanding of what uh, authoritarian and totalitarian systems are, because I fear really we have forgotten this. Mm -hmm. And so not only will we be learning something about the wall uh, and about the the situation of life in the East... But also at the same time, in the lobby, we're going to have a display that is called Long Live Freedom, which is about Nazi youthful resistance to Nazi Germany. Mm -hmm. And so understanding what happens in democratic societies when people desert the middle is something very, very important. Mm-hmm. And
0: for students who aren't familiar with this history, in terms of the day-to-day life of what like was life was like in East Germany, what might be the biggest surprise to them, do you think? For students who really don't understand, this is this is how the communist world functioned at that point?
3: Well, it's ironic in this age in which we none of us seem to have privacy. But the lack of privacy uh, in that in those times in the East, uh, it was just astonishing what you read, what you saw. Uh, there was always someone in your apartment complex whose job was to keep track of who came. So if you you just simply went to a house, then somebody was going to know that. Teachers checked up on students. Uh, there were various ways they could kind of catch people really who had been watching West German television. The clock on that show was different than on the uh, East German side, and they would ask the art teacher would ask kids to draw, and. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's terrifying.
0: Yeah, and that's something that, as you say, I think young people today, they, they really don't know about that. Now, Larry mentioned this photo gallery that's going to be in the lobby, but tell us a bit, um, what does the set look like of this show?
2: Um, there's not really a set. There's a wall that is built, um, and the dancers do... Uh, use the wall, they jump on and off the wall, they lean on the wall, they use it for support. And is it and, meant to look like the Berlin Wall or it's just standing in as a generic wall? No, it's just standing in as a generic wall. But throughout the performance, there are projections on the on the wall. And so... Um, the moment that I remember the most is right before the section of In the Flesh starts. It's like the third section in the piece. Um, and there's a projection, but it's covered up. And you can tell that it's covered up. And Nejla was talking about it being of, it. it's the projection of the young boy that was shot and killed on the wall and left there to be used as an example of what would happen if you tried to get to the other side.
0: And Larry Marsh, that is 100% a true story. Well, it is.
3: In fact, uh, just a few months really before I was there, this young man, his name was Peter Fechter. And this was was on television. People actually were able to watch this. He managed to get across that middle death zone. Then got caught in the barbed wire. in those days the wall was really only about seven or eight feet tall. And he lay there on the wall of uh, wounded, mortally wounded. People from the west tried to get to him, but the wall was built back about 10 yards from the actual border. And so they were not able to get to him. He lay there for several hours, died, and then, even in death, was carried back into the east.
0: And this people were watching this on television? This was
3: live on television.
0: Oh, my goodness. I mean, that's so that's some. This is a pretty serious show.
2: Yeah. I mean, there. Yeah, it's history and it is serious and there are really serious parts and then that goes into a part that is, you know, there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of... It's dense, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but there are other parts that then feel lighter and freer. And I think, you know, towards the end, there's a section that there's Bach music playing. And that's because Nigel remembers uh, there was a cellist that came and played Bach music when the wall came down. And so it's not all very, very intense and, and that heavy, but it is one of the parts that for me... I think about when you're seeing all these projections and these different things happening that really resonates, I think, for me.
1: Yeah. And I, I also feel like because Nejla feels the story so personally and that she got so many different perspectives, there is quite a bit of ebb and flow. And it's not us trying to take a political stand at all doing this work, but it's really taking all these different perspectives and doing justice to history the best that we can through art.
0: That's Emily Morton. She's managing director of MADCO, which is St. Louis's modern American dance company. We're also talking to Nicole Whitesell, who's the artistic director of the company. And we're talking to Larry Marsh, who's the director of the German Culture Center at the University of Missouri, St. Louis. And we're talking about Wall Stories, which um, is back in St. Louis this weekend. Now, you guys are talking about Nejla. She was actually here in St. Louis again to work with the company on this show. Has the show changed at all since it originally mirrored or is she just fine-tuning the aspects of it?
2: She's really just fine-tuning it. Um, She used both her original version and the video from uh, the version we did five years ago and her and I actually worked together to relearn the work and to teach it to the dancers and then to share it and the thing that I just really love about having her back is obviously I can tell the stories that she told but hearing them out of her mouth and as she's trying to get things out of the dancers, you know, um, being able to recall a situation. And and it's just a lot different than if I were just resetting the work. So it was definitely special to have her here. And you had mentioned that
0: Bach is part of the soundtrack um, because she remembered them playing that there at the gates. Um, but also Pink Floyd, as, as we played mm-hmm. earlier in the show. Is that hard as a dancer to be able
2: to navigate that gamut of going from Bach to Pink Floyd? I think... I don't think so. I think that even though this is not like a linear piece where there's an exact storyline, there is definitely a through line. And as Emily was saying, there's definitely ebbs and flows and you definitely start to create within yourself your character and who you are. And one of the other things Nejla says that I love is don't act, just be. And you really do become that character. And so I think that you just go through a full range of emotions and by the end, it's kind of nice to be able to celebrate and to have those joyous moments. And I, I will say, and I obviously haven't performed it in a lot of years, but I remember coming off of, from stage and just feeling like I had just gone through an emotional roller coaster because if you really let yourself be vulnerable and really go there, you really do feel a lot of different emotions throughout this one-hour performance.
1: And right there at the end, the very last section, that box section that feels more celebratory, it comes right after Nezla's story that she tells. And in so much of her story, she's seven years old and she's speechless because... Her dad has told her this young man died on the wall. And there's another part where, again, she's speechless. And then by the end of her story, she feels like she's found her voice. And because she's had this life experience of living in Berlin and living with the wall and understanding the dichotomy of it, uh, she it, it really flows into that celebration of finding her voice. And she says to us in person a lot that she feels like she can be the artist she is today because of that experience, which is really amazing for the dancers.
3: And the and the ending of that dance performance is not unlike what I think almost anyone who traveled, any Westerner who traveled into East Berlin, and as I said, I did that many times. They're at Checkpoint Charlie, and you walk through, and you finally stepped out across that line, and you were back in the West and back in uh, democratic, free society. It was a very, very powerful emotional feeling every time that I did that. Mm-hmm.
0: A feeling of relief?
3: A feeling of relief, a feeling of uh, gratitude, I think, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and a, a better understanding of what it's like to be free. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you had mentioned earlier this photo gallery of long Live freedom, and this is more directly tied to acts of resistance against the Nazis. How do you see that tying into something where we're looking at a period that came after the Nazis?
3: Well, just in general, as I, I think I mentioned before, it's uh, uh, what happens in authoritarian and totalitarian states, and mm-hmm. that I really do fear people are forgotten. It's so easily people are so easily attracted to the fringes, mm-hmm. uh, particularly in this, in this stage of internet. And I uh, do not understand and need to be reminded, it seems to me, uh, what's out there on those ends, uh, both on the very far left and on the very far right. And so it seems to me that the, these uh, having this uh, Nazi Germany story being told at the same time is really very appropriate. Mm-hmm.
0: That's the thing that, that ties it together, is these were both author- authoritarian countries. Right. Um, now, 30 years after the Berlin Wall came down, the U.S. is now turning to another wall. Um, as a way of potentially sealing its southern border. Does this show um, allude at all to modern politics, Nicole? It
2: doesn't allude to that, but I do think for me personally, it just makes me think. Um, It just makes me think, you know, there's always the saying of history repeating itself, and are we repeating ourselves? Have we learned anything? How has that changed? Um, How will we continue to change or evolve? Um, The show doesn't speak to modern day but I do think that you know today we were in rehearsal talking to some of the dancers and again you know most of the dancers were not alive when the wall came down and just talking a little bit about how do you find your voice to compare or to not compare to to share this person's story or these people's stories and what do you pull from that you maybe have experienced because if you haven't experienced something then you can't portray it or convey it as well and so you know we did talk a little bit about our southern border and about kids being taken away from their parents and we did talk a little bit about just even in this city um, there's shootings every day and you know Nejla when she was talking about certain parts of it when they collapsed to the floor as if they were shot um, and protecting your core and how do you do that and if you did get shot how do you stand up and you know if you turn on our news Unfortunately, you're going to hear about shootings here in this city. And mm-hmm. we hear about people take it, being taken away from their families every day. And so I think just using some of that to be able to connect to these stories on a deeper level in a real way.
3: And I think that this uh, Wall Stories has a, what great art does. And that is that it can, uh, there's a universality. Mm-hmm. And so these walls, uh, keeping people in, uh, this speaks to many different kinds of walls. Uh, they're, they're unspoken things, I would say. Uh, Najla herself, for example, is, uh, was, is a Turkish-born mm-hmm. German living in Berlin. And that, and there are walls there. You know, mm-hmm. there are these uh, metaphoric the, walls. Me, metaphoric walls, and there, uh, throughout this performance, I think there are issues of family. For example, is one of those things I recall yes. from watching this five years ago. Uh, the walls that are there within families, for mm-hmm. example. So this mm-hmm. this really does, it, it is not specific to time and place, no. uh, actually, even though it is about the fall.
2: Mm-hmm. You're absolutely correct.
1: And I think that there are going to be opportunities for the audience to talk about that, the, the kids the students that come and see it there will be a good chunk of time 20 to 30 minutes after they see the show to have some Q&A with the dancers and with Larry and with us on stage and there will be some time before the ticketed performances that people can have a moderated conversation so that we can spark ideas about that and bring that up and just see what people say
0: um, you guys have mentioned that there are a huge number. I think somebody said 800 students who are going to get to see this show. Um, real quickly, how did that come about? Larry, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you made that come about.
3: The, uh, as my work at the German Culture Center Domsl, one of the things that uh, is most important for us is to promote the study of German language and culture, and uh, particularly working with high school teachers. And so uh, we have some outstanding German teachers in the St. Louis area. And I contacted them, and they were thrilled. I, I, I had to turn people away.
0: That's great. Well, I hope that they're going to learn a lot about this history because, as you say, it has so much resonance in so many areas. And it's it's just so important to understand the past. So Larry Marsh of the German Culture Center of Umsel, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. And Nicole Weitzel and Emily Morton of MADCO, um, thank you for joining us. Are there still tickets available for these performances?
2: Yes, there are still tickets available. You can go to magcodance.com or you can go to twohill.org. The phone number is 314-516-4949. And uh, you can get tickets there for Friday or Saturday evening at 8 p.m.
0: Great. Well, thank you
2: so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having
0: us. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.